<laughs> that was abrupt. Hello and welcome to Confession Break on Unsafe Space. I am one of your hosts, Carrie Smith, and we will be joined shortly by Carter Laren. He's having tech problems. Uh, there he is. Hello, sir. Boomer problems. <laughs> right on time. Oh, there you go. I, you know, I, I, no, I hate okay. Windows. I'm updating now. Okay. Thanks, Windows. Yeah. You know, when you shut a window, no, when you shut a door, Carter, God opens a window. Yes, but when you shut a window, God opens a door, and that's the problem. Right I think when you shut a window, God opens a Mac, like a normal person. Uh, uh, if it's your first time here, we have some announcements. We'll get through them really quickly because we have two really fun guests today. Uh, we have book club this Sunday. So this month is fiction. We're reading William Gibson's New Romancer. And you still have time to read it and join us on Sunday. If you want more info, go to unsafespace.com backslash book club. It's free to join and participate. And we also, if you'd like to support the show, go to unsafespace.com. There's a donate page and you can find different ways to support us. We have a subscribe star and Bitcoin and, and all various things. I think you can buy us vegetables. Don't, that lady doesn't tell. Why do you ask? <laughs> I mean, the spine looks pristine. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I have a lot of downtime during my work, my gig tomorrow. I'm going to read it all. all right, okay. Fair enough. So without further ado, you you booked the guest today, and I'm really excited to see who you chose to put together. I chose to put together two horrible, horrible individuals who should never be given a platform. <laughs> One is Mark Pellegrino. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, he's not only given a platform here, but also in Hollywood. He mouths off all about stuff that he probably um, – you know, should get lynched for in Hollywood, I think, right? Hi, Mark. How are you? Uh, well, I'm I'm lynch, I'm lynch free so far, but you know, Not good, free. good. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, welcome, welcome Thank to you. to the show. Uh, and another wrong thinker uh, who I don't think is in Hollywood at all, but should be, or at least his beard should have a part. Daniel Wagner. Uh, He's so off the grid. He told us before the show, Carter, he doesn't even watch television. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> not, not really. Not really. You guys are like a couple of mad scientists putting people together just to kind of see what happens, experimenting with chemicals and whatnot. It's, uh, it's a little uh, disheartening. Not disheartening, disconcerting, I think. I'm not sure what the word is, but I'm nervous. I think, I think it's fun. You guys all have, uh, from from my limited understanding of... Uh, of Carter's of ANCAP beliefs. I think you all have some type of ANCAP in common. Right? Well, Mark, or, I would, I don't want to speak for Mark, but I think he would jump on you for that and say, no, no. Oh, crap. Right, right. right. That's right. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Limited <laughs> government. Yeah. Limited government. We're all in agreement on. Mm -hmm. I think I just take, I want to take the limit to zero. And you, you're Mark, the one that wants Mark to go is, all the way. Mark thinks this is a bad, not only really bad say, idea. I, would, I wouldn't say limited. I wouldn't even say limited government. I'd say proper government. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. Because proper government may still be large, just not invasive and violating of our rights. I like that. But you're, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I would imagine your proper government would probably be smaller than our current government, given. Uh, a great deal smaller. It would just be the okay. police, the army, and the courts. Yeah. Um, and also, Nicki Minaj, I assume, would have some honorary position in your government. I think, I think, yes, she would. <laughs> uh, well, and Daniel, though, you're more that? of an ANCAP guy, right? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say more of an ANCAP guy. I am an ANCAP guy, straight up. Straight up. Straight so up. Mark can explain to you why you're wrong later. 
I was actually going to try to explain to him why he's wrong, but I mean, I, we can we can definitely go that. ahead. <laughs> I'm taking over the already. Give, give give me one, give me one, and let's go one by one. Why you think uh, why you think I'm wrong? Wait, well, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what proper government means. That 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 that's that term just doesn't. It sounds like to me, from my perspective, proper like proper government is an institution that. Well, I know it does. It's like the left that thinks guns are bad because they're guns as opposed to tools. A government is a tool, and it's a tool that we defer force to in order to subordinate might to right and to uh, promote reason in all of our discourses, public discourses and exchanges, and including the, um, the, the re resolution of conflict. So that's the purpose of government, the objective purpose of it, of course, has, has not, it's been close to achieved here, um, but too many philosophical and moral contradictions uh, embedded in our founding documents to allow it to uh, succeed, but it, it certainly has staved off tyranny for 120 some odd years, more uh, or less. Wait, wait 120 some odd, when did, when did it start? I want, I'm just curious about that inflection point for you. Well, well that's because that's the beginning of, of uh, intellectual and political progressivism for me. The late, the late 19th century is when the government really started intervening. It's not like they were never out of you know, interfering in people's private lives, but they were mostly out of interfering with people's lives. But, they, but it became a philosophical premise that the government improved life and should interfere in the late 19th century. Yeah, and that you're talking specifically about the progressive reform era and all those Correct. people who Correct. Yeah. Okay. And the influx of German influenced intellectuals like John Dewey and all those guys who in, embedded collectivism in our our national ethos. Do you I I don't want to go on a tangent, but do you know why that, like I've always found it fascinating because I I haven't studied exactly why it is. So maybe it's not fascinating, but we had this experimental country. It did surprisingly well. And we were like, let's turn to Europe for to populate our philosophy departments. <laughs> like, I know Germany's got some great philosophers. Let's let <clears throat> them teach our children. What was the motivation there? <laughs> I don't I don't know if it was a motivation or whether it was just a sort of confluence of forces and accident that, you know, so many of our our progressive intellectuals came from German roots and were educated by these wacky philosophers and collectivists and then brought that crap over into the United States. I, I don't know I don't know why we why we ever look to Europe for really anything substantial anymore but um, w w nostalgia I don't know I don't I, I don't know maybe you could answer that. Well there's some good rock out of the UK generally there was well that's true. Yeah. And there was some good philosophy out of the UK too, but yeah. certainly not certainly not Germany. Plus, they Germany. invented Indian food, so there's some good <laughs> stuff in Europe. Oh my lord! So, so that, all right, so I'm, you know, I, I, we're supposed to talk about other. I'm sure we're not supposed okay. to well, jump right in. I just saw so. something this morning that I would love, specifically, all three of you to give me your take on, and and I didn't know a lot of the background on this, um, but I sent you a link, Carter, you and Beverly. And this is a, a friend shared this and said they've seen three small banks sharing this recently. Uh, this is a notice to the public, specifically from Western State Bank. And they start off by saying they hesitate to get political or send any of their um, customers anything political. But they thought you should know that the Biden administration is now 
pushing for banks to have to report to to mandate that banks have to report any deposit or withdrawal, any kind of deposit or withdrawal. It doesn't have to be cash over six hundred dollars to the IRS directly without your consent. And currently they have to do that only if it's a deposit or withdrawal over ten thousand dollars and it's a cash one. And when I shared this, it was actually your friend, Sonny Carter, who said I, I wasn't aware that the ten thousand dollar rule came about after 9-11. She said, yeah, that's the yes. thing they pushed after 9-11 was that that, ba that private banks should have to disclose the, this information to the gov the federal government in order to protect us all from yeah. from terrorists. Yeah. And so now yeah. they're just anyway. I just I can I add something. They have to. But if you bank with a major bank uh, and I won't name their names because I don't want to get in trouble because I'm not sure 100 percent sure of each bank's policy, but uh, they do report at thresholds much lower than $10,000 already because they want to stay in the good graces of the federal government. So the rule is 10,000, but you likely bank at a bank that reports transactions below that threshold already. Well, yes, someone told me they've also amended it to get around that $10,000 threshold to say, if there are any deposits or withdrawals close together that in totality are over 10,000, mm -hmm. then they report those. I would be interested in hearing somebody who is for this because I think all of us are categorically against it. And we may we we may have you know slightly different reasons, uh, right. but but more in common for why this actually sucks. Um, I'd be interested in hearing who who can steel man this argument. Can anybody in this crew steel man this one? I'm not going to attempt to steel man it, but I'm looking at this. And I'm thinking like we're just seeing the continual, continual slow creep of totalitarian control and the government just taking over little things here and there. And it's like as people become more disenfranchised with politics and paying attention to what's actually going on in their world, they continue to just just get more brazen in the uh, the, the things they keep doing, like all, all the little laws and things they're passing, these giant bills that you have to like pass it to re read what's in it you know all that crap that you keep hearing they're getting more and more brazen because they're realizing they're not going to get the pushback that's you know maybe at, at one point in history they would have gotten it doesn't matter that we have all the guns if we're not going to use them is what i'm saying yeah i'll, I'll, try, and I'll steal, try, let me try and steal oh, yeah, go ahead. Want, oh wait if you can do it do it please you might no, be a I better just, job i don't know if i'd be a good steel man but this is i'm just trying to think of it helps if i think of a specific person uh on the left and I, I'm thinking of one person and they would say, well, if you're not doing anything illegal, why would you have anything to hide? And why does it matter? This does protect us. Why would you not want the government to protect us? It's like taking off your shoes at the airport. If it protects all of us from a shoe bomb, then why couldn't you just make that simple what, what, act? Of what exactly is it protecting us from? Well, the original argument when it was $10,000 cash limit was it's protecting us from terrorism, like funding terrorist cells right but now now with the six hundred dollar uh, threshold what is it protecting us from? Oh, you're right smaller, it's, it's, smaller terrorists small, smaller well, terror. terrorists have figured out there's like there must be kickstarter for terrorists so i'm assuming that yeah, that, uh, that, there's the terrorists the who eat at like fancy restaurants and those ones that eat at wendy's well this is the one this is the terrorists that actually go to wendy's is what we're trying to target uh, here. pretty, pretty soon it'll be down to a hundred dollar limit and those are the ones that actually go to they're on the other food stamps or well I, it'll be no limit because here's the thing and i think from the left's perspective 
why would you have any why would you expect any privacy a bank is an extension of the federal government is already there's it's heavily regulated we've decided that the financial industry needs to be heavy heavily regulated we've decided that there is a single fiat currency controlled by a alleged like supposedly private but kind of private public shadowy partnership that no one talks about. We've decided that the federal government is allowed to pass any kind of regulation it wants about any kind of financial instrument. So the the real question is like, well, why would you why would you not report every transaction? Why would the IRS in today's age in 2020, when we have everything's computerized, and half people's taxes are hooked up to you know, QuickBooks or whatever, anyway, why would you not just report every transaction? What's the problem? Are you trying to hide money? Look, look, stealing Stealing 600 bucks worth of taxes is just as bad as stealing $600,000 worth of taxes. Like if you owe taxes on that, or if you're doing something illegal, or maybe you're buying drugs, maybe you're, you know, you're buying coup vaccination, fake coup vaccination cards, yeah. who, who knows what you're doing, but why would you, there's, I don't see anywhere in mainstream society where there's actually a moral argument against this because they've already accepted all the moral premises that this is, of course, the government has the right to do all this. All right, you, but the moral argument exists. You're just saying it's not in the mainstream and it's not in the establishment. Oh, of course, it's not yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think, I think we could give that moral argument, but it's that's do not. Do do you think do you think anarchists can give a moral argument? Because I thought they were mostly moral subjectivists and can't really argue in that vein. Yeah, so I think I so maybe this is why I actually don't know where Daniel stands. So I don't want to speak for all anarchists, but this is why I might be a good. Uh, mediator between you two if you wanted to have a debate. Um, and that is, uh, I actually, as much, I'll say that I'm an anarchist, and I am in a sense. However, I don't advocate for anarchy. I don't care about advocating for anarchy because my my very strong position is philosophy and culture need to be fixed first. And in order to figure out the, that, like, the political system is basically irrelevant. <clears throat> if you're, if you've got, if you've got a monarchy where 99% of the people are staunch supporters of individual rights and the king feels pressure and he's like allowing there to be a decent, like basically a de facto benevolent dictator situation, that's better than if you have a perfect constitutional republic, but it's populated with an entire population that's willing to change definition of words to, to enact any sort of authoritarian, fascist or socialist agenda that they feel like. So to me, the paper, the piece of paper and the structure of the government is not the thing that we should be arguing about. It's what are the right philosophical and moral principles that we should be arguing about. And I actually don't think you and I disagree very much, if at all, on those foundational principles where you and I depart, and I'm talking to just Mark right now, but where you and I depart is uh, I, I don't think that I don't see this, the strength of the argument that the government is necessary after we have all of that other stuff, that the government is necessarily a benefit or that it doesn't undermine some of those principles. And I, I know State, stateless Marxists would say the same thing, probably. Once human, once hu, once yeah. human nature is in line because everybody's educated the appropriate way, what do you need government for? Well, precisely because we're we're limited beings, we, we have finite knowledge and we're capable of error. And because of that, we can make mistakes and the conflicts can arise from those mistakes. We need a body guided by objective principles, guided by objective rules that we delegate to um, to 
to promote the, a rational process, a due process, right. a, mean, a means of of adjudicating uh, conflict. Right, which which I I agree with. That idea sounds good to me. However, um, I am wholly unconvinced that such a unicorn with fairy dust and farting rainbows could possibly exist. Like, but I it don't did. see such a thing. But it mostly it. did. We but saw. But it didn't last. Correct, because of philosophical and moral inconsistencies that were embedded into our founding documents. So collect, I, again, indi- I'm not convinced that that's the reason. Individualism grew up amongst a, 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 a type of soft collectivism where people felt social obligations and moral duties to their fellow man. And this was the wedge, the, the wedge that the unapologetic collectivists drove between uh, the individual uh, drove between collectivism and individualism, and it completely ended up discarding individualism as a moral principle. It was never, right. in fact, it was never explicitly defined during those times. It was sort of implicit, uh, and that's why the explicit adoption of collectivism became so powerful and ended up becoming the the moral guide to our interpretations of our institutions and constitution. Yeah, which is why I support arguments for proper government because i'll and i've said i've said i think i've said this pretty clearly i'm i'm in a between a rock and a hard place personally because i'm not i'm not sure how it works because like i'm not sure how you get a population to understand these principles on on mass i'm not sure how you protect against these things i do know that the government you're talking about is light years better than what we have and i would rather have the anarchist argument after we have that government and say, okay, this is how it's going. Like this, this is what we did. We tried it. Is it working? Is it is it working or is it not working? So that's why I don't spend a lot of time arguing that we need to tear. But down in the but state. in a question oh. between whether it's working or whether it's moral, everybody chooses moral over working. And you do know how you arrive at ideas saturating a culture because the left has done it for 120 years. They took over the academic institutions, and it was a small cabal of people that influenced right. a that millions and millions of people. They have controlled the messaging, so that's right. how you saturated a, a culture with ideas. That's how we went from being predominantly individualist, implicitly, to explicitly collectivist. Yeah. So, if I might right. interrupt, just to add on to what Carter was saying, this is this is the very reason I'm working with a gentleman who's running for governor of Tennessee right now. I'm an anarchist who's helping with a political campaign. Like, I don't, I don't know how you wrap your mind around that, but this is how I've got my mind wrapped around it. And, and it's this, I feel like he and I are traveling very similar roads. He's interested in smaller government. I'm interested in no government at all. And as, as you were saying, it's like, we have a lot of work to go before we can even consider really truly advocating for just squashing out that candle of the state altogether. So I figure as long as as long as we're on that same path, as long as we're heading the same direction, he and I are brother in arms trying to get something accomplished. And that's to shrink the, the power of the state. I don't know how 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 we can accomplish it. But I mean, it's going to start by getting people who are interested in running for those positions, I guess. I don't I don't know what the answer is, but it's just something that I'm working toward trying to move the goal in the correct direction, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I, I think have... that. Go ahead. Well, I. Uh... I wanted to bring it back to the making the moral case, the moral argument against the government looking into what's in your bank account and all of your transactions, just because I think sometimes people 
who watch our show, they're getting into these conversations with their friends and, and family and with people on social media. And they're hearing the standard, not just with the government looking into your bank account, but they're hearing about masks. Like, what's the harm? Why is mask mandate bad? They're just, it's just a mask. Why can't you do this thing to protect the public good, to protect all of us for our safety, to protect us from terrorists, to protect us from viruses, to protect us from X, Y, Z. What is that argument in a nutshell? I'd like to hear. I, I have, I have a one, but I, I, I want to hear the yeah. anarchist, the anarchist side, but no objectivism allowed, please. I want to hear the anarchist side <laughs> the moral argument. No objectivism allowed. I mean, I'm an, I'm an objectivist, so that's the basis of my moral argument will be in objectivist ethics. I want to hear what, what the anarchist version of that, which I assume does not adopt uh, an ob objective truth or objective ethics. Uh, no, I'm, I'm totally all about objectivism as well. I mean, okay, my first initial thoughts when I'm hearing this story is it's, it's very similar to my arguments about abortion. It's like, okay, w if we're all arguing about that final result, that final major issue, we're completely missing like a ton of decisions that were made along the way that we could have prevented this way, way in advance. Like if it's coming down to a decision of whether or not to kill a baby or not, like same, same with this, this, this issue right here. If, if we're coming down to like, well, should we let the government look at our $600 transactions or not? <coughs> Like, dude, we've come so far to get to that spot where that's kind of, it shouldn't even be a, a, a conversation topic at this point. And what I mean is we've, we've kind of gotten to the point where we've given control over our finances and money to the government. Uh, we, we've kind of accepted this slow boiling of, you know, uh, the government control over the single currency that we have. Um, I remember hearing years ago and it wasn't until cryptocurrency came around that it actually clicked in my mind is that we'll, we'll never have a true free market until we have a free market of currency and i'm sitting there, like that did not it did not make sense to me until cryptocurrency came around i'm sitting there going oh that makes sense so there's competing currencies now we don't have to all be tied to one central dollar we don't have to have one central uh, uh, control structure dictating how many dollars are printed or whatever and you know without any say or any vote or any you know, recourse in, in making sure that that actually continues to operate properly. So when we sit there and continue to centralize all of our establishments and all of our, all of our, our, our transactions, our banking, our money, everything, we, we've come too far to really be having the anarchist, you know, discussion at this point. But what's the moral argument? What's right. the moral what's argument, the argument against the centralization? The moral argument for what specifically? Against the centralization. Against centralization? Yeah. Against this this kind of thing where they can they can look into all your assets, see what you're spending, make social determinations maybe based on that. Who knows what? Read your emails. Read your email. Your all that stuff. Right, and mandate masks. All that stuff. What what's your moral argument against it? Uh, if if we're just going back to kind of the basics, um, I kind of go along the lines of the libertarian argument about taxation being theft. The problem is libertarians are kind of idiots that they don't realize that taxation theft means no government is the answer because no matter what, taxation is is how this stuff's funded or there's some kind of a some kind. Uh, there's of, a way uh, to have a government without taxation because that was a pit stop I made on the way to anarchy. So I I don't actually think that taxation equals government. I, I, I know there's other ways of funding it, but at, at some point you you don't. I mean, at some point I'm I'm kind of. I would love to see multiple smaller decentralized structures. I, I want to differentiate between government and governance. And what's what? What is federal, state, and local? That's 
that's a decentralization. It's getting there, but it's still at the point of a gun. I mean, I mean, let's just face it. There's still a gun in the room. All force is a monopoly. That's why I don't think there's a market in it uh, personally, because force is just a monopoly and that's the way it goes. So I'd rather invest in a, a principled uh, monopoly because, you know, what, 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 what does, what's the fight between two, uh, how does, it, what, what does the fight look like between two governments? It's called war. And we could have that on multiple levels in the United States or, or not. But I still don't hear a moral, essential moral argument yet. I want to hear the essential I moral have, argument. I, I want to give Daniel, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go okay. ahead, you want to give one? Well, no, you go first. I have what I would say. I don't, but you go ahead, Carter. Well, I, I, I'm going to push back on I can't use objectivism. I, and I think. And no, I only that, said that. I only said that because I knew you would use objectivism because oh. I know you, you know the philosophy. And I wanted to hear if anarchists had something else, if there was something outside of objectivism. Yeah, if there's not for me. I mean, I, I, right, I like. Okay. So if I look at philosophy, I would say you have to solve metaphysics, then <laughs> ethics. Or sorry, metaphysics, then epistemology, then ethics. That's and then you can get to politics. You have to start with the the bigger questions, right? Um, as Aristotle, you start with metaphysics, right? And, and I think Rand would too. You, you have to start with metaphysics. And I don't have any disagreements about those. I, I don't. I can't think of any flaws. I mean, maybe I'm forgetting some essay that Rand wrote once that I think God was wrong. Harder. But whatever. You're asking a lot of people. <laughs> You're asking a lot of people. Have you met people? No, no, I'm just saying, like, he's asking yeah. for an argument. So, like, I right. might be thinking of something. I might be missing something. But in general, I can't think of, like, the metaphysics of, of objectivists are are solid. The epistemology, solid. The ethics, solid, right? Where I depart is the politics. And the reason I depart from, uh, from the, the application, the politics is the application of those ethics, right? Yeah. Uh, the reason I depart is... I have not heard a strong argument and that I've assessed, and maybe you can present one now, or maybe I can, you know, <laughs> give you stuff to read, but I haven't heard a strong argument that moves from the ethical to the political realm without, uh, on the basis of the, the ethical conclusions that have already, that are already in place. So for example, uh, self-ownership, what, but, where is the, but, well, but I don't yep. believe in self-ownership. I believe in sovereignty. That's a different thing. Well, how do you define the difference between those two? You're not a piece of property. Sovereignty is a sovereignty holds that human beings are causes. They are causes in their own right. Their free will makes them a causal element in the world. And so sovereignty means they they need to be free from compulsion so that they can exercise that causal element. It's not just property in yourself. You can't have property in yourself. Or maybe you can have under that same guise, you may have property in other human beings each individual sovereign, self-determined, causal element. I like that better. Uh, that's okay. fine. I was using it interchangeably. Maybe that's sloppy. Sovereignty is better. I, I'll stick with that. I so, do think there's a difference because I do think there's a, I think they imply completely different social systems. You think self-ownership means something? Sure. Different? Sure. I, I, I do. I, I think it, I think it denies an aspect of human nature that what, it's, it denies an aspect of human nature that guys like Rothbard deny and their acolytes deny and, and turns the argument away from, you know, the uh, an ethics, which is what, as you express, what politics is to an economical sort of pragmatic issue um, where they actually believe there can be markets in 
violence and they really can't um, for various reasons. So, but self-sovereignty is something else. It, it's, it's, not, okay. it's not a matter of property or ownership, though a sovereign being must have property in order to live and must be able to use property in order to live. Um, the moral argument would stem from the sovereignty of individuals and the requirements of sovereignty and the requirements of the rational being. Yeah. Right. Which is where you get property rights as a corollary to right. your, your own right to life, your own sovereignty. Right. Yeah. So um, anyway, I can get that far. I'm going to be maybe using the wrong language. Honest here. I am totally zoning out. And I, I would imagine and not not anything against you guys. But what I'm what I'm. <laughs> keep thinking about is the fact that, you know, yes, these ideals sound really good. And yes, these, you know, you, you can go into all the arguments and find out that everything's, everything checks out, everything's perfect. But when you're talking about the everyman, the, 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 the every voter, the, the, they don't understand anything the you're saying. People, even the people in government itself, like how the hell do you get to a point where you actually have, you know, um, imagine asking Joe Biden what his thoughts are on epistemology and, and ethics and moral. Well, we're not saying this is how to market this. I mean, the Marxists don't go explaining the Hegelian dialectic to dumb people. They just get them riled up with some slogans. We're not having a, a PR discussion. So we're having a discussion. It's right. not that's, that's PR. Not no, it's not PR, though, but it is about how to talk to people. Well, this, is, this, is, this is an intentionally elevated discussion because we're talking about ethics. Now, there's there's a way to have that discussion, I guess, with people who are completely outside of the fold and 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 or have no interest in politics or understand what's 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 going on. But at some point, this discussion has to take place and you can distill it to something else. I mean, I do it. I try to do it in my reality checks when I'm talking, when I make little funny ditties about rights or morality or what all that means. I try to sure. to make it in language that anybody could identify with. Um, but you still have to go through the hard work of defining what sovereignty means and why it's different from property in yourself and what are the implications of, of all that. And sure, it's best to do it in everyday language so that everybody knows what the fuck is going on. Um, yeah, so here's what I would say, and can I say, here's what I would say in everyday language, and you guys help me figure out if first, if this is the right argument, and secondly, what are the underpinnings then? <laughs> but my, my argument would be that if you're letting, if you're saying it's okay for the government to look in people's bank accounts and in their email accounts and to mandate masks, you're basically saying that it's okay to give power to this body, to, to this body of people who own the gun in the room and who have force, have the ability to use force against you. It's okay to give them power and, and that restricts your privacy and it restricts your, your life, liberty, and your pursuit of happiness because uh, there's there's a compulsion that you talked about. We have a right to live free of compulsion. It's like, there's a compulsion involved in that. They're compelling you to behave in a certain way. And uh, you're putting faith in them not to abuse this power that they've given you. And why would you put faith in the government? We've already seen that they, we've already seen that they selectively apply these rules and they do it arbitrarily. So if I look at the bank account thing, for example, I don't think they're going to be maintaining a list on every citizen of every transaction over $600. I think they're just going to be recording all the data. Then when they find that they don't like someone, if someone's a dissident, then let's go look at their bank account. What can we get them on? The same way they do, they use this in social media. Right. They selectively well, use- This is what Snowden revealed the NSA does generally. They're recording all metadata for every phone call right. that everyone ever makes. And if they ever want to go after you, they've redefined what it means to access data so that they can change their definition of a warrant. And they go and say, well, it doesn't count as accessing the data until we query the database. 
So collection right. doesn't count, right? And that's, they'll use the same argument. So if that's my argument, if that's what I say back to a family member or someone who's saying, why would you have a problem with this if you're not doing anything wrong? Why can't the government look at everything? Is that a good response <laughs> in your opinion? Is that... I'm, I'm I mean, it's true. Everything, everything that's being said is true. I don't know that it's still hitting the ethical reasons why it's true that the government that grabs for this kind of power is going to keep grabbing for that power. And eventually it's going to use it to protect itself. Uh, and the individual is going to be a non-issue. They're going to be a sacrificial cog. The real, the real thing that they're trying to protect is themselves, is the political class. Um, all that's true. But I don't know that I don't know that I'm hearing anything. Uh, I'm looking at this question. I don't know that I'm hearing anything that necessarily identifies why it's why ethically that is wrong. Mm -hmm. Why is it why is it wrong for the government to take that kind of control over people? After all, the scientific community is telling us we have no free will. The, the cultural Marxists tell us we're determined by everything outside of ourselves, and scientists believe that too. Biologists are telling us that. Anthropologists are telling that us that we're a, we're basically a vat of chemicals, and we're determined by stimulus. And so we need external controls. We need elites to to take us along a proper path. Because left to our own devices, we're just sort of determined savages. Mm. Somebody has to look out for us ethically and morally. So what's the argument against that? Right, and I think you can't do it without the concept of I'll use the right language now, I'll say sovereignty. I don't think you can do it without those ethics, Mark. And and I think uh, privacy becomes a, a corollary right to sovereignty. And whether you are, if you want to go to anarchism from there, you know, that's a separate conversation. But whether or not you, you go to anarchism or if you're going to go to a state from there and say, well, what's the right political system? The only way you could justify that political system is if it is built and intent to if it's built on those ethics and built to foster those ethics and if it if that's not what it's built on then it falls apart it doesn't have any moral authority and so a system in which the state looks at your bank account is clearly not built on those ethics and therefore it's illegitimate right an ethics that considers what human beings are what their nature is and how they have to live and and that's why I say a government is necessary based on how human beings have to live in the society of other human beings. I don't care if you want to be an, a, an anarchist and not pay a voluntary tax for protection and you decide you want to start your own police force, but there's going to be a time where you might be the crazy dude with the gun in the room and I'm going to have to do something about you. Um, if you don't agree to live by a certain set of principles, but be, decide your own subjective take on the world and force and what constitutes aggression is is actually the most important one. Uh, that's going to cause a great deal of harm. Uh, I'd, I'd much rather a whole bunch of uh, individual crazy dudes with a gun be out there than one dementia patient with nukes. <laughs> you know, I think I think we can manage the, the, the former, can't we? Well, you're not you're not going to get any argument from me on that respect. I, I, I agree with you. I think every because we're sovereign human beings, um, that that are that that has free will and must act and think to live and are self-responsible for all of that a part of that self-responsibility is is self-defense and a gun is a very effective tool for self-defense and you can't be denied the tool 
that makes your life more effective. It's not appropriate to deny a human being those tools any more than it's appropriate uh, to forcefully deny them any tool, a hammer that they could procure by their own effort or a computer or cell phone. Or to steal the product of their labor. All of that. Correct. See, one, one of the problems I'm having right now is our government in its current manifestation is very good at doing the exact opposite of its stated goals. I mean, the, the war on poverty, that we now have more impoverished people than it was before the war on poverty began. The war on drugs, you know, who's winning that war? The drugs. Uh, the war on terror, you know, now we've upgraded, you know, uh, the Afghanistan, uh, what, what is it? Um, I, I don't get involved in geopolitics, but you get what I'm saying. It's like we've we've everything they do is the exact opposite of their stated goal. So, I mean, to sit there and say, well, guess what we should do? We should put those people in charge of dictating how people run their lives. Like, I'm pretty sure that they're going well, to have that's the not exact what Mark is saying, goal. Yeah. In maybe, fairness, maybe, maybe I've misunderstood that. what you're saying, but um, that's, that's oh, were you saying were you saying that I was saying that? Oh, no, no, I wasn't saying you're saying mm -hmm. that. I'm, I'm, I guess I guess oh, what I'm saying is it's just one of the major issues I have is like when you when you're putting this the very same. Uh, entity in charge of our, our morality or how we should operate our, on our, our lives on a day-to-day -day, and you see the track record of how they actually accomplish goals that they set out to accomplish like you're 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 asking me to put together two things that just do not make sense at all but i think a big thing that's happened is for a lot of people the government has become that i used to think just sort of without even when i wasn't thinking when i was in my my ideology for so long. It, I just thought of the government as, yeah, that is their role. Why wouldn't they tell us how to behave and how to be moral and how to be good people? And I never questioned that. I didn't think about it actually consciously. And I think for a lot of people, they just asking the question is, it, it kind of woke me up doing the show with Carter. It's sort of not everything is the government's responsibility. Why would you think that this is a problem to be solved by the government and not some, some other entity? But there's a lot of there's a lot of areas in human life where people believe it's appropriate to give up moral agency. And we've seen it for I mean, religion is a one way in which people try to mm -hmm. give up epistemological agency, moral agency. They eventually stop thinking and stop being a human being because it's easier. So it's hard to think. It's hard to work. It's hard to actually live by the rule of law. And so they prefer to give all that stuff up to somebody else. Gosh. To, would you uh, would you rather a gun be in the room or a holy book? I'm 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 gonna have to choose the latter gun. myself. I'm not sure. I think I'd rather have what? a gun in the room. I'm not sure. <laughs> Depends on the holy well, book. I, I guess I guess what I'm saying, like, like yes, I, I, about, I you have these people that are, you know, they're, they're they they need something to, that's easy to digest. They they got busy lives. I get. They need something that's easy. Kind of tells them, gives them a, a general outline of how to live their lives, and that's great. I would much rather a whole bunch of different churches. That's kind of the anarchic model, somewhat. Insofar as imagine if our government was set up that way, where we have a lot of smaller pockets of governance, where That's people what are we kind do of have now. I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't think so. I mean, on paper, we do. Yeah, we, we, yeah, don't, we, don't, I, we don't have it. We don't have it in the manner that you're talking about, which I think would lead to endless conflict and war. But we have it where there's a, what? a unified, what? A, a unified. Well, I'm talking about war on our block, where there's 50 yeah. different protection agencies on each block each making cl claims that contradict the other. And really there's no, there's no established due process to resolve so those claims. Little, you have Who's that little a, faith in the uh, humanity's ability to break themselves? Uh, no, I have, I have that 
I, I understand that humans can be in so error, do you and I understand that there are no angels in humanity, okay, now and, that that's why, and that's why we I, need government and not subjective government. Okay, I totally agree with you, but who do you put in charge of government then? If it's not people, because you really don't have a I'm not, high regard. But, of but that's, that's a non sequitur to me. That's a non sequitur to this argument. I mean, you're claiming, yeah. you're claiming that a, a series of government is somehow good and that the standard for each of these governments would could be entirely different and that there would be no there would be no conflict hold on my siri is jumping on for some reason between those uh, or the conflict would not be in in physical one i disagree with that as opposed to a a system of objective law with very specific principles of deconcentration of power, which is what our federal system should be and should be. started out as and could be uh, if we had the right philosophy. Uh, Carter's right. I mean, it's it's the philosophy of the people that have taken us to this place. And it's the philosophy of the people that can take us out of this place. And until there's that philosophical revolution, we're going to keep spinning down this same same place. But I don't think I don't think the answer is is anarchism is the other side of the coin to me. It's not a different solution. It's it's a it's a rejection of organization. It's a rejection of of um, of co consistent, cogent, objective rules for subjectivity. Oh, absolutely and, not. Absolutely not. OK, I, 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 I defy you to find libertarians who agree on what aggression means or what agree on, on almost anything, even candidates for office. They're, they're, they're like herding cats um, because they, they, in essence, worship, don't, don't worship reason or don't try to promote reason. They, they are about what they feel and what they want. And the government is seen as an impingement on their liberty, which means they can't do what they want. And that's not what liberty is. Liberty to me is a tool that enables you to live rationally. Now that means you, you can live irrationally and fuck yourself up, but the purpose of it is to promote reason in life because reason is how we live. That's how we survive, that's how we thrive. That you could take that liberty and hurt yourself, of course, and do all kinds of damaging things. You can live irrationally, you're free to do that. But I find it interesting that the libertarians never, almost never focus on virtue. They always focus on vice and the perpetuation of vice. You know, mm -hmm. it's drugs, it's this, it's prostitution. It's, all that's fine. Yeah, sorry, it's, sorry to interrupt. When you said reasons how we live our lives, I, I, if, it makes me feel like you really haven't met people. Um, most people are just justification machines. They're not actually using reason to try to figure out their way through life. They're just justifying well, everything they do ex post facto so that they can maintain that, tra that traveling that path of, of, of their own selfish interests, which is fine, but it's not what's, reason. What's wrong with selfish interest? No, no, well, no, no nothing's wrong with that. I, I, it's, it's just to, to suggest that people live their lives based on reason is. I never said that. I never said. I said they that that's the way they will be successful. I didn't say that there weren't people. In fact, that's the reason we have government. I've been saying that all along. The flaws and 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 error and the proclivity for some to deny, evade, avoid the responsibility of thinking. Those in, are the reasons we have government to work out the conflicts that pursue it. Including those in them. government, yes. And of course, but we have ch checks and balances and that should have the means of being able to take people who choose not to embrace reason out of the process. 
and that's ideal. But to, to say I hold reason as an ideal and the purpose of liberty is the same to promote rational action is not to say that people are, are, are rational. <laughs> they're, they're, they cannot be. They can, they can be, they could choose not to be, but to the degree that they choose that, they're not going to be successful, thriving human beings. And the degree that they choose that is also the, the degree to which they're going to try to increase force and power in the, in the world to try to attain what they want because they can't get it. They, they don't know how to do it because they're not pursuing a rational course. I think the government has been increasing to the degree that we've been, to the degree that we've been evading reason as a component of human life. Have you noticed yes. that the culture is yes. becoming more and more irrational? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. Government's yeah. becoming bigger. There's a reason for that. Yes. I mean, and then they also, they always offer themselves as the solution to the further problems that are created by this. Correct. I think it's, can I just, I think it's worth stating this outright, which I know you're, I don't think you've said outright, Mark, although I'm pretty sure you're, <laughs> this is what you're saying and I, it just needs to be said. Reason is the primary means of survival for man. It's, it's the way that we survive and freedom means freedom to use our primary tool of survival in order to survive. That's what that means. And often there are a lot of people that conflate freedom to do that with freedom from consequences of reality. And you can't get freedom from consequences of reality. Absolutely. If you smoke a bunch of crack, there will be consequences. And <laughs> yep, no one me, can save you from those consequences. Not me, bro. That's reality. The government can. <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah, I yeah, forgot. They, yeah, they can smoke all, the, all of the crack. Matter of, fact, matter of fact, somebody's son probably does. So That's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, I should, that was an 80s re reference. What should I have said? In 2021, the drug that you should be using. I don't know. I'm not up on no, drugs. Fentanyl. I don't know. Yeah, fentanyl is the new rage. But yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And that's that's that goes back to the ethical reasons why you know these monitoring of our bank accounts is so wrong, and why why mandating masks is wrong. Um, it's depriving us of our faculty of reason. It's depriving us of the capacity to think and act on what on our own particular context, and that is anti-life. And if I'm just based on what you just said, if, if the government's job, basically first job is to protect itself, it's going to do things It's going to protect itself as an entity. Like, wouldn't it be of, of incentive to itself to keep us in the dark reason wise? I think I think an overarching government, an improper government who, whose interest is about perpetuating itself and its ideology. Yes, that's why they kill intellectuals. Uh, that's why they take over the uh, the media and determine what kind of information gets out there and yeah. and short and short circuit the truth or change uh, create narratives that are preferable to it for yeah. sure. Yeah, and then and then true intellectuals are too smart to run for office to begin with, so that's a major problem as well. The, the people that come up with the philosophy for these things that probably would do great in these positions, they're too smart to do it. Well, I don't know. I think I think our our system is so corrupt that many of the academics who create these philosophies are are also corrupt, and they're the ones know. who are they're the ones who are turning out these pundits and politicians who are mouthing these bromides that are killing us all and imprisoning us all. So they're the real bad guys, uh, and that's where Rand was right. Rand pinned it on the academics early on, 50, 60 years ago, when this some of this cultural Marxism was just starting to birth itself in, into our conscious awareness um she was one of the first to pinpoint academia as the yeah, real bad guys 
love me some Rand. I, I do want to say, by the way, I am thoroughly enjoying this conversation as contentious as can make it. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> me too. So I, to, I, I feel like I should say back, one thing about anarchy. Okay. I do not view and my <coughs> when I think of what it might look like, it's not chaos. It actually does look like people voluntarily coming together, having governance, setting that up. It just means that you can opt out. There's movement. There's like there's ways to opt out and move Absolutely. around. And like, OK, well, so I'm not I, I think, don't want to go I into a big all, argument about it. I just like I don't think utter chaos, you know, gang fighting in the street when I think of anarchy. That's not. A but but, but what I'm saying there's the, the, the best example I've heard of what anarchy might look like is the dating world. Insofar as we don't have like a regulatory body telling us how who we can date and you know except how, except how the difference is we're, with and, we're except we're talking about force now we're not talking about finding lovers and there's a difference between the two and and look well, I, you think utopian said. socialists view in their mind's eye when they see the utopian socialist ideal you think they see what actually happens in Venezuela or no. Cuba right. of course not they don't see the results. Um, even though those could be projected by anybody, um, we can still project what happens when the world loses touch with an objective morality. We, we see it in sub sectarian warfare over the ages where right. thousands of different sects have different interpretations of what's good and bad and are willing to risk their lives and draw blood based on what that means. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think a, a, a world unmoored from ethics, which is what anarchy is, it but will... not that's what I'm saying. Not when I'm talking about anarchy. That's why I'm always prioritizing philosophy matters first. Ethics matter first. I would like to have an argument about politics, but the rest of it matters first. And I'm not <coughs> I'm I'm convinced that if that's corrupt, <coughs> the political system is irrelevant. Arguing about what the Constitution should say and how we could do it better is kind of irrelevant if you haven't solved the problem of maintaining a rationally ethical society over a long time over the long term i'll, I'll agree with it i'll agree with you on this i think when de tocqueville came and visited us he noticed that politics was everywhere but it what but it was also very invisible you know people were political but you didn't really feel the the state and i think when people are in that mind as they were in the 17th and in the 18th and very early 19th century you need very little of government very little government so it would it would be very much probably a, an approximation of of what you guys envision it wouldn't be there and the taxation would be uh, i think in our objectivist guidelines or like uh, voluntary taxation where you know they would raise subscriptions for things that they need it would be local communities would do it um, and and if you funded if it funded the federal government, there are a billion different ways that it could be voluntarily funded. And and the free riders are immaterial, because the wealthy people who would buy into the protection services they want the protection, and and people get an unearned benefit from that. And it's no big deal. It's just it's no big deal. So um, I think I think the dream. I think you're right when the when the philosophy is in there. You need the government would would be like the air we're breathing. We wouldn't even know it. We wouldn't feel it like we feel it now. Now it's important to be political. I know you said that the people aren't political. Anymore. They are. They're desperately political now because their lives depend on who's in office. And right. you know, it should be irrelevant who the fuck the president is or who's running for Congress. Yeah. It'd be irrelevant because they're not going to be putting laws on the books that are going to you know favor this interest group over your interest group or imperil right. your life. 
They're just in a, you know, they're going to protect your property. That's, That's it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. Like, there, there's, there's got to be this slow weaning process of getting us off of the, the tit of government. Like, we've got so used to it. Like, can you imagine how much more involved people would be in their communities and how much stronger communities, individual communities would be if they didn't just assume that the federal government was taking care of everything for them? If they didn't just assume that, well, if I screw up in life, I'll just, I'll just fall into the government safety net and whatever. It's uh, like there's there's a whole manner of decisions that are being made based on our current structure that if you just like got rid of it with a snap of our fingers, that, yeah, we would see that chaos that everybody's talking about. And then people would go, see, we tried anarchy. It didn't work. No, that's that's not how this is going to work. We can't. It's, it's like trying to take somebody off, off of a, a heavily addictive drug like cold turkey and expecting them to just be perfectly normal functioning human beings. It's just never going to happen. It's and you're right. Slowly over and, time. And additionally, you're right. You're, when you talk about the, how, how morally depraving it is to be under the thumb of a big government, not only because you anticipate being taken care of that, that institution, but it, you also use it as a substitute for your own ethical conduct. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. you consider it ethical to virtue signal on, on social media about the political party you're with and that makes you that gives you social stature but are you going out in the community and putting your money where your fucking mouth is or donating money to anybody who needs it no right it's you know so, what? i'm so glad you brought yeah. that up because not only do people substitute their ethical <clears throat> standards they actually substitute so much um of their own personal responsibility for their life and the thing that 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 I always think about is I always think about things like the FDA because it's one of those things where a lot of people will say if it weren't for the FDA, how would you know that the meat that you bought in the store wasn't poison? And how would you know that the car wouldn't blow up when you purchased it? And how would you know all this stuff? And to me, it's like the answer is actually those are decent questions. And on one in one respect, those are decent questions. You should know before you get into a vehicle filled with gasoline, you should have some confidence that it's not going to blow up. But it's your responsibility to have that confidence. And actually, don't worry, the free market actually would provide plenty of that and do a better job of that. And we should have more things like, I don't know, I don't want to pick on consumer reports in particular, but like that kind of stuff happens. And no one stops to think like, well, if the government, this is my favorite, if the government didn't have elevator inspector things, like the, the elevator companies would make elevators that f that don't work. It's yeah. like, really? How So how you get rich in the free market is by building elevators that kill your customers. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. Quick, quick, um, inter quick interjection. Can, can you, can you imagine a, a world where, you know, you don't have a centralized government governing body that as a big, large corporation, you can just pay them off rather than have to do the hard work of earning your reputation over the long haul. Right. Well, so it, it, it defers that responsibility of thinking about that. So, so people are more kept, they're more, they're more farm animals because there is this assumption that there is a daddy making sure that, I mean, there's now they're building fences and parks and over like where there used to be beautiful cliffs or, and views and things like they Now there's fences and like, they, it's like, yeah, basically you expect to be able to go nowhere that someone from the government hasn't been to make safe for you, either metaphorically or literally. Yeah, your life is yours. You are a moral agent for your life. You're your best advocate. If you're going to get a product, research it. Do the diligence. It's, right? it's your responsibility. Not, see, but we're in this place now where even look at this past year. I see 
I see so many people, they're even copy and paste posts that people are now sharing where they just copy and they paste it when it says, you know, I don't look at the ingredients in my aspirin or in those ribs that I had yesterday, those pork ribs I had yesterday or the restaurant that I went to. I don't look at the ingredients. Why should I look at the ingredients in a vaccine? And why should I do this research myself? I don't research anything. And and as if it's nice. absurd. Morons. I got Remember when you're just, you're just saying I'm really dumb. I don't give a shit. Remember back when those same people were like against GMOs and and, and factory farming and everything else. And, I do. And they yeah. still are. They still are. How? I don't see so, it. So here's a to bring it back to culture and changing ideology and changing philosophy and, and getting people to think about things. This is a popular topic recently and i find it fascinating that Nicki minaj is possibly going through a red pill moment and if you haven't been following this i think most people who watch our show have probably been following it because it's just so interesting she she tweeted something a few days ago about her cousin's friend uh, and how he had adverse reactions to taking the vax and it was a pretty funny adverse reaction and then she just said she said be careful, you know, something to the effect of just be careful about what you put in your body. Just make sure you you consider it before you make choices, what kind of choice you make. Let it impact your choice. And as a result of saying that, she's been facing four or five days worth of um, just onslaught of the mob coming after her. Joy Reid from MSNBC came after her, Piers Morgan, uh, Megan uh, McCain. So it's a bipartisan mobbing. And... Uh, and, and she's got her back up a bit and is sort of swatting them away. They've now, the mob has uh, chastised her for even daring to retweet a Tucker Carlson segment about her. And so I just wanted to read this one tweet and then I want to talk about her. So this is one where they basically told her she can't retweet Tucker Carlson. Somebody says, you know, he's a white nationalist, right? And she says, right, I can't speak to, agree with, even look at someone from a particular political party. People aren't human anymore. If you're black and a Democrat tells you to shove marvels up your ass, you simply have to. <laughs> <laughs> if another party tells you to look out for that bus, you need to stand there and get hit. I'm I'm uh, I'm just right now going to follow Nicki Minaj. <laughs> uh, I, I had to follow Nicki Minaj as well. I wasn't even exactly sure who she was, but I was like, all right, this is get this is a follow. Here's the thing: is that I think that she's in. Sometimes you don't realize you're in an ideological prison until you accidentally bump up against one of the bars. That's what happened for me. I didn't realize I was in a prison until. You get the so, so the 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 mobbing that's happening to her right now. I think for most people, it probably is enough to get them in line, to get make them apologize and to get in line. But for other people, like I perceive her to be someone who has a problem with authority and with people telling her what to do, the mobbing is actually, I think, going to have the opposite effect. It's going to push her outside of her prison because the more they mob her, the angrier she's getting that they dare tell her what she can and can't do. And she got suspended from Twitter, uh, like a 24-hour suspension. She's just back on now. I just, I do want to clarify something because the original tweet, she, she did not even say that Don't it was get because it. of the vaccine. She uh, said, right. and, and I'm saying this because the left goes out of their way to say correlation is not causation. Correlation is not causation, and they're correct. Correlation is not causation. She said something about like my cousin or my cousin's friend or whatever got the vaccine. And after that, had 
swollen balls and was impotent or whatever, right? Like, and then she said she ended it with, so that's, that's, that's just correlation. That's not causation. And then she ended it with the thing that I think pissed them off the most, which was basically she said, think for yourself and make your own decisions. <laughs> and yeah. Don't be bullied. She said, don't be bullied. And I think that's what got the cathedral, uh, really pissed off and got their the hairs on their back uh, to stand up because bullying is what they do i think mandy has a very interesting question here how does nikki even get marbles up her ass <laughs> I mandy will leave that as homework <laughs> i don't know if that's an inside joke i don't get i don't know enough about nikki minaj myself either um but I know that she seems to be, yeah, she doesn't like people telling her what to do. Here's what's interesting, though. So after they've been attacking her for five days straight and from both political parties and they're all over her, making fun of her, her own tribe, I would say, making fun of her, uh, the White House, she just said the White House has invited her <coughs> to the White House. And they've also invited her possibly to speak about about uh, vaccine hesitancy. I think now that they've done bad cop, they're going to do good cop and, and be like, oh, come over to the White House and let's talk about this and we'll give you X, Y, Z. Did she? That oh, would I be an interesting no. development. Oh, wow. I hope I so. Mean, I, I hope so. Wrong, but, yeah. What a bunch of fucking tools, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Last thing I, I heard was something about how they were canceling they canceled it on her or something like that because of this whole thing and and she's like getting pissed off like i why the hell would i lie about getting invited to the white house <laughs> like that wow. seems really she's, stupid she's, thing to lie about she's getting cooler and cooler by the moment man she's, <laughs> yeah. she's awesome yeah it's it's pretty i it's pretty interesting to me because i think someone like her like she has i don't know how many millions 22 million followers that's it yeah <laughs> Girl, come on. <laughs> Gotta help you game. And it's so gonna go up now. The majority of people who as we were talking about before, and we and we said this recently during an interview with Jack Murphy. Jack Murphy said, you know, this is all fine and good that we're having this conversation, but most people watching won't understand what we're talking about. Not to insult people, it's just they don't they're they're not talking about things in these terms. And so there's more people, they're more likely to follow Nicki Minaj. If you get someone like her to kind of wake up and start poking holes in in the faith that we're supposed to have in the system i think i think it's really that's when things start to get interesting so it's, it's like every time you start to see this little leak through the clouds like a little bit of sunlight shows like we get to see the true face of governance <laughs> governments rather and it's like you think people are gonna like wake up in mass and be like oh that's what's been going on but they, they don't they they just don't <laughs> i'm i'm it's kind of one of those things the more you follow it the more you kind of lose hope that we ever will i don't i don't know what the answers are we just need the right leaders and whether that's a cultural leader like nikki or not it's a, it's sort of I, I mean i think people this year has taught me and the uh the ash conformity experiments have taught me that most people are followers i didn't used to think that but now i'm sort of i'm like yeah maybe 75 percent at least of the population they're just really they need a leader they like to follow they don't, don't they want to I take a shortcut absolutely i'm not wrong with it you don't agree with that well, I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think people are just afraid to stand out and be the, the tall poppy, you know, and I think they're afraid to be, they're going to get chopped down and uh, more than, I mean, and I just said earlier today that people want to abdicate responsibility for their own moral life and they do it in various ways. And that's true too. But I think there, there's, there's, there's people out there that are afraid. Now, nowadays, I think fear is really 
pushing a lot of people to do the things that they're doing yep. and to not do the things that they're doing. And they need somebody like Nicki Minaj to stand up and people like us to stand up on social media who are maybe, I, I mean, I'm not uncoupled from consequences. Bad shit can happen to me, but I feel I have to say something uh, mm -hmm. because otherwise these fucking savages are going to rule the day and I don't want that to happen. So I think if people see me having enough courage to stand up and Nicki Minaj was so much more popular standing up and saying, fuck you guys, um, then that'll give more of the folks on the ground who don't have our fan base or people protecting us or, you know, whatever we might have that's advantageous. They don't have around them, but they'll now have the courage to stand up and say, yeah, I disagree with this bullshit. Let's yeah, the, the Hollywood film producers already know how this works. You know, you get they show it all the time in the movies. It's almost this trope of the, the one person stands up and then next thing you know, you got two other people stand up. And the next thing you know, the whole room standing up and they're all like cheering. It's a, it's a great moment and everybody. But I, I mean, I don't know how much we've seen it in real life, but I, it's definitely going to take more and more and more it people. Does to keep standing up and keep being that tall poppy and, and not be afraid and face that, that fear head on, you know, and it's, and it's like a viral video of that guy. You see that video of the guy on the hill, everybody's sitting watching a show or something. And he comes in and just starts dancing yes. all crazy. Yeah. And then somebody else joins them dances. And eventually the whole hillside's dancing. It's sort of how people are. That's exactly what we need for sure. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, although I'm, are you the pessimist, Carrie? I don't know. I'm, I'm, because I'm with you on this. Like, I think people are conformist. <laughs> you've been, generally, you've influenced like, me quite a bit over the past two years. I think in this race for me to well, turn you into a Christian and you to turn me into a, a misanthrope. <laughs> I'm not, so I'm not actually a misanthrope in the okay. sense that I, I hold people to high standards because I love what the idea of what humans like. Humans can achieve awesome things. Like humans are awesome. I love humans abstract in the abstract and certain humans I love in, you know, in the real literal sense, I'm disappointed when humans cease to behave like humans. Uh, mm. It's heartbreaking. Um, and, and that's where the, the misanthropy comes from. And it's not, it's not misanthropy like, oh, people suck. It's like, this is so sad. There's so much potential in humanity. And yes. we are, we've been convinced to squander it. We're not actually oppressed as much so much as we are committing suicide and when i when i look at like that when i say oh what we really need when i look at what we really need it's not a charismatic leader it's not it's it's great great grandkids who are awesome that's like that's it like, yeah. that's all that's basically all we can do because i don't i don't know how you convince someone in their mid 40s to stop being the way that they have been for their entire lives yeah, right? It's very rare that someone, I mean, yeah, you, okay, you woke up, Carrie, but that's not. I know a lot common. of people have woken up, but maybe that's just, that's just relative. Self I'm, I'm inclined to meet those people yeah. because of what self -selecting, we do. Self-selecting audience there. And, and, and what Carter was like to add to what you were saying, in order for these changes to take place, I, I don't know how much effect we're going to have doing it the political route. I mean, it's going to take all kinds of people, obviously, but I think we're going to have see the strongest gains in our home lives, our personal lives, our local communities at, at the very most. And that's something that most people have an, an ability to have influence over. I um, agree with you. And I think the culture and the culture, I think, I think if we, we see, look, if we see novels more like Ayn Rand stuff, you know, um, movies and TV shows that reflect these kinds of values as opposed to the opposite, that will start to have a, a real impact too. 
And I just read about some district in upstate New York that's decided to rebel against the state of New York's uh, politics and stick with the Constitution, you know, and that's a, a community just south of Buffalo, New York, that's wow. preserving the Bill of Rights and saying we are not going to deviate from this. We're going to say no to anything that that uh, Albany uh, sends our way that contradicts these principles. And that's the way it's going to be. So yeah. you're right. The community's taking over and realizing that that's where the heart and soul of our lives is. Is the, is that's where the movement's going to start? What were you going to well, say, Carter? I was just you mentioned this before, and not to. I know this is a uh, Marxist metaphor, but I'm still going to use it. Like we need to start our long march into the institutions, right? The left did that, um, mm -hmm. and I'm one of the things I'm excited about, other than raising the next generation property properly, and I'm I'm I think that's crucial, but uh, it's also rebuilding educational institutions um, that are proper educational institutions. And I don't know what that exactly looks like right now. There's kind of a homeschool slash pod slash online. There's lots of different things. I mean, I know actually some objectivist people who have schools that they're they're trying to build. I think universities need to be get rebuilt. The, the, the quality, just objectively speaking, the quality of our educational system is is in the toilet. I mean, just go to someone, yeah. go to China and look at what they learn. Not that they learn everything great in China, but like the standards are just much higher. And you combine that with the fact that we're actually indoctrination factories, not schools. <laughs> and we're actually destroying kids' ability to think and to reason and to use their own judgment instead of building it up. Uh, you know, over the long term, I'm kind of excited about this idea of an alternate uh, an alternate infrastructure of education that can really help rebuild this culture. Like a parallel economy and a parallel mm -hmm. educational system. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I think it's, I think so, it's starting. I think it's starting. The one good thing that COVID brought to, uh, to the attention of parents was how awful their, their teachers were and more and more opting out of the system. I don't think that homeschooling is the way. I think private schools privatization of the school of the education right. well, school choice anyway uh, I, mean, I think choice, homeschooling for a lot of people well, is I, just I, I, like I don't sorry i don't mean option. sorry i don't mean school choice insofar as uh, a choice of which government school to use i mean school choices insofar as you know yeah. choice between homeschooling private school a market yeah or, a market, market, and, market yeah. ideas yeah it's yeah. certainly not compulsory it's certain not certainly not compulsory um i think we have enough leisure time that many children can do that kind of thing, but it shouldn't be compulsory. There's tons of kids who are not um, built for academic school, but they are great at other things, and they can they can you know focus on the stuff that will make their life rich. Yeah. They don't have to know who Aristotle is or read Shakespeare. They should be, of course, literate and know how to think, but they they might have interests in in some other vein. Yeah, I I I'm. I think for a lot of parents, and I'll, you know, because I homeschooled for a bit, uh, although now she's in a in a private school. I think for a lot of parents, it's it's just a stopgap measure. It's like, well, this is, you know, they're being sent to an indoctrination factory that's literally awful. But anything is better. I'm going to take them out. I'm going to homeschool, and then, okay, is there a, is there a free? I think ultimately, in a free market of education, you'll have you won't have the need to homeschool. You'll have a lot of options. It, they'll be cheap, um, and you know, you would you'd get you'd have that differentiation that you're talking about, Mark, where maybe there's a kid who's like, 
you know what? He really likes computer programming and he's not going to learn Mandarin or whatever all this, the other stuff is. It's just not his thing, but he's going to have a happy, fulfilled life being a computer programmer or, you know, or the, or the reverse, someone who doesn't ever want to computer program at all, but they, they're really, they're going to write books and that's fine. And, um, but the primary thing is, is actually something that I would argue we could steal from the middle ages, which is the trivium, which is this, like, basically a, a, a curriculum designed to help you learn to use your, your reasoning mind and, and, and actually think critically. Now which, there's, there's an actual, in my local area, there's, uh, I've, I've seen efforts to start homeschooling, but doing it in a more classroom-like setting where they're kind of partnering with their local churches for classroom space and things like that. And they're doing the homeschooling thing, but it's more like structured very similarly to public schools in terms of the classroom structure. It's kind of neat that the people are trying to come up with solutions and ideas, you know, to circumvent and go around the public school option. I think it's great. And now, and now there's so many options for everybody. I mean, you can be educated by apps. There's professor, world-renowned professors that give courses away for cheap. You could learn almost anything for almost nothing now. Um, there's no need to have this mass, massive, monolithic National Education Association or a massive education establishment that's really about preserving itself and not about turning out healthy, independently thinking human beings. God, school sucked for me. So as a as a just an inspiration for any parents who might be watching, I just sent you an article, both of you. Um, this is from the Federalist. This is actually a guy who goes to my church. It's a it's a relative of his in Colorado. They started this school. It says how rural Colorado parents created a no politics public school in just one year. Um the new public school went from and from idea to reality in just one year, opening K through eight with plans to grow into a high school. As a classical school, it offers a low screen, high relationship environment and a focus on creative and critical thinking through careful attention to classic works <coughs> and traditional approaches to math and science. Uh, and the people who started this were homeschooling. If you read through it, it's just I just think it's an inspiring article of what people can do when they decide. They said they they decided to quit homeschooling. They felt a calling to open this classical public school and to provide an opportunity for other people to have this kind of school in their in their area. And they succeeded against all odds. So I don't know, just a feel good story. You guys can find that article in The Federalist. Yeah. Well, and That's I think true. you did see this with COVID. You saw a lot of parents needing to reinvent school right they would like they they moved to homeschool then they're like well this is actually a pain there's a reason that schools exist <laughs> like uh i'm not the right person to do this then they kind of moved into pods and you are seeing kind of this this new almost reinvention of okay well what do we need our education to be and what's the best way to do that um and boy wouldn't it be nice if you got your property taxes back because you didn't have to pay for your local school and you could apply that to oh, Lord, solving yeah. the problem of your child's education oh yes Speaking of, that's one of the motivations to move out of California is how crazy the property taxes are. One of many. Yeah, one of, one of many. many. I, I want to ask you something. You mentioned this town, or I guess it uh, was a community in, uh, south of Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Um, what? I, so what do you think of, you seemed to like this idea that they were kind of saying, we're going to enforce the Constitution. Um, what do you think of New Hampshire's latest thing that did you see this they're they're trying to propose a bill to secede they want to put secession on the ballot i'm for it now now today the way things are going i'm for secession 
Okay. So that brings me to this next link I sent you. Let's just let's talk about this issue. Is this the one Carter, that I need to play? Carter needs to play this one. So this is interesting to me as as these ideas I think they tend to they tend to gain steam. When I see more people talking about something, sometimes it's uh, left leftist people talking about something. I'm like, oh, okay, they've done a good job of of seeding this in the minds of people, or it, you know, on social media. And um, but other times, I I see things that it's not top down. I think it's coming bottom up. I think this one is bottom up. Where people are starting about this, starting to think about what it means to secede, what it means to be a union of states. And so this is a video clip from Sarah Silverman. Did you guys see this? Uh, my the I can't, my video is not. Oh, there it goes. Now she's talking. Okay, good. It took forever to load. Hold on for a second. It's okay. I was like, it's just. It's not a working. very short clip. If you can't play it, I'll summarize it. But no, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. Let me give it a shot here. Uh, I need to do this. Sarah Silverman, someone who I think is. I think she's well intentioned. All right. Let's see if this works. And see, this is the problem I was having. It doesn't loading. I blame Sorry. Windows. Yeah. Well, there she is. Media couldn't reload. Media's not working. Carrie, okay, summarize so, for us. Sorry about so that. So she's she's sort of thinking out loud here on her podcast, and she says, "This may be a negative thought, but you know, what if?" And I'm paraphrasing, but she says, "What if we just have a divorce?" She said, what if this can't be repaired? Because when people decide they can no longer get along, that they can no longer agree on the the basics, fundamentals, then maybe it's time to separate and they can go their way. She said, now she talks about it in terms of conservatives and liberals, which I think is wrong. But she says the conservatives can have their states and we can have ours and they can call it theirs USA one. Cause I know it's important to them to be number one and we'll be USA two. And Did they'll she have just to reinvent be, the United States. That's what she says. And she says, and they'll have to be vaccinated to come visit USA two because you know, you have to have vaccinations and stuff to travel to some countries. And so we'll just be allies and we'll be next to each other territorially, but we'll be separate and distinct. And that was interesting to hear coming from a leftist. Yeah, but because she's part of the elite, she won't she won't be you know the 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 amongst the number of massive migrants that will start leaving those blue states to migrate over into the red states because she'll have the government she wants and can live within because she's you know. Wealthy. Well, the good news is we could control wealthy. the borders with. U.S. number one, we can have better control over our borders and who comes in and who doesn't come in. Well, maybe I, that's true. I don't know but why yeah. this reminds me of it, but it does. You're making me think of the Pan Am, uh, the Pan Am celebration this week. Uh, what was it at the Met <laughs> with with the elites with uh, AOC in her? So this was the uh, a gala at the Met. It was thirty five thousand dollars a ticket. Um, tables started at $200,000, so I assume they went up from there, probably depending on who got to sit at your table or where it was. And she wore a dress with Tax the Rich. Almost looks like it's in blood. I mean, it kind of looks like it's smeared in blood, which I think is an intentional mm -hmm. artistic um, choice. And uh, 
How much yeah, was the gown? How much was the gown she was wearing? I, I couldn't find it because the designer made it specially for her, so you can't yeah. actually buy the gown. Her right. handbag was only $1,000, which I thought was about a tenth of what I expected it to be, so good for her for only having a $1,000 handbag. Uh, but the dress, I don't know. Um, Did you also see when she tweeted about the dress, she tweeted a picture of her and the designer, and she said, you know, it's so important that my dress was made by a woman of color and an immigrant and she went on and on about it. And then they were like, wait, she's an immigrant from Toronto, like from yeah, like she's a wealthy Canadian. family. <laughs> Just the way she said immigrant made it sound, you know, you're thinking like. Yeah. <laughs> I saved her from Afghanistan. Uh, she came over and made my dress. The pandering just makes you feel so slimy after a while. It's so <laughs> gross. And it's, well, but and, I, what I really like. The about irony. Her, they don't see the irony. That's what kills me. No. I, well, he actually, wait. I think. I'm going to push back. I think we're to the point where they do see the irony. They don't care. And they get off on the fact that they can flaunt that they're the elite and there's nothing you can do about it. I think they enjoy it. That's that's sick. I mean, that's really sick. If that's true, that's sick. Uh, I think wow. it's actually but, very smart, too, though, because if we all start talking about that dress, Tax the Rich, and posting photos of it, which everyone did, then I think the majority of people, when they see that, they don't understand what we have an issue with. They're like, that's great. She happens to be rich and wealthy and privileged to be at that rich person's event. And she's there taking our the message that the rich should be taxed. Like they don't see anything wrong with it. So she's actually pretty smart because everyone shares that picture, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think- there's no moral argument against it in mainstream. Yeah, like, what I understand she, that ticket for that event was given to her. Exactly. She like, gets to say not, it was given to me. Yeah, yeah she's not going to pay taxes on that. Right. I'm standing up for the little man, tax the rich. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually she think owes the, 10K in taxes for the gift. Yeah. The most egregious, um, the, the most, I, I would say, the, the picture that I thought was most compelling from that, that event is the one I just sent you. And this is actually a New York Congresswoman, Carolyn Mahoney. And the reason why this one I thought was a better one to share is because it looks like, okay, welcome to the Hunger Games. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> and because wow. the dress says, the dress says equal rights for women. And then look at all those women standing off to the back there that are, are not, they're having to wear a mask. They're dressed and in of, black. And they're dressed masks. in black, and they're, I think it looks like a large portion of women of color. And, and, and this is like very wealthy white woman and powerful, powerful anyway, white woman, unmasked, like all the guests were unmasked, the elite. One rule for me, another rule for thee. But then her dress is equal rights. This picture just cracks me up. What's that uh, purse say? I see yes, but there's another something before it. I can't see it. Oh, it's ERA. ERA. ERA, yes. They want to be drafted. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> one of the things about this to me that, that strikes me is, you know, you have to remember that people like AOC and and a lot of these, these elites, their goal isn't to be rich. Their goal is power. Yeah. And so taxing the rich is a thing to say to justify anything they want to do. In fact... You know, when when we we joke about the Great Reset being like, oh, you'll be ha you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, that's actually true for the elite. They don't have to own anything in in a in an authoritarian fascist world. If you have power, you can live like you're a king. 
without actually have you don't actually have to own anything you control everything so you get comp tickets to galas and people make you dresses and you do what you like you whatever resource you want is available to you and it doesn't have to be yours per se you just have to be in control of it and that's what they that's the plan that's how they imagine the world unfolding for them disturbing that's yes. very disturbing yeah. yep well I'm starting to see, to go back just very quickly to the Sarah Silverman video, I'm starting to see more people talking about secession, at least the, at least wanting to have a conversation about it in a way that I, I didn't see even a few, a few months ago. I think Ben Shapiro also recently shared something that was sort of, let's talk about it, or, you know, at least, at least showed that his mind was open to it. And so, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I don't. I don't have it. You have a stronger opinion on. It, I think I, than I, I do. Parker. I, what I'm about to say, I recognize as a false dichotomy. But what I'm wanting to say is, it seems like most people are of the mindset right now. It's either we split up or we just murder each other at this point. Like it seems like everybody's just going at each other's throats. We're seeing little skirmishes in the in the streets uh, between different, you know, warring factions, and. A lot of people are like, you know, I don't want to go down that road. The other option in, in their minds is, hey, let's uh, let's just break up. Maybe that's the option. Maybe we just, again, like like Sarah Silverman was saying, let's go our separate ways. You know, wash our well, hands. This whole thing. Look, in a free society, in in Marx, I'll say in Marx's utopia, like not M A R X, but Pellegrino's Lucifer's utopia, and I'm not even going to call it a utopia because that that's condescending. And in Lucifer's proposal. They're allowed to go buy a plot of land together, implement some form of agreed communism and share all the research. Like they're allowed to go do that. They're yeah. allowed to go practice all of those philosophical ideas that they like. I'm totally for that. On their yeah. own, as long as the, if they agree mutually, if it's voluntary right. and they voluntarily agree to do that, they're allowed to do that. This is something this is something communists I argue with all the time on Facebook never acknowledge that in my system, a capitalist system, you're free to structure your your the economy economy of your of your company any way you want your fee structure how you compensate people it's all how, if you want to do it along the lines of a of a, a full uh, worker ownership that's your business if you want to start a community that believes in sharing property with each other have at it it's it's mm -hmm. it's in your world that you can't have my take where i get to do as i choose and um so uh, they they don't seem to see the the irony they never see the irony or it's because they know damn well that their world can't succeed without your world to leech on man i would i mean i'm 100 I'm sure. with you on that I, I mean i would even go so far as to say that if i if a company wants to discriminate against people on whatever reason they want they should be completely allowed to do so of course and it's, yes, it's, you know, they're going to suffer the social consequences of that, you know, obviously. So there's still going to be a lot of, uh, you know, social brownie points to be made. But I'd much rather it be that way than being told I have to serve X customer based on these, you know, criteria. Hell no. Indeed. Sure. Indeed. Yeah. Can well, I, I think Mark? Can... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask you. Um... Crap, I forgot, I forgot my train of thought anyway, never mind. There was a super chat for Mark. Somebody asked you, Mark, they said, what did Rand get wrong? Mm. What did she get wrong? That's a good question. Um, 
this, the things that I've heard her say that uh, I disagree with, some of them are more personal. I, I, I think her view of homosexuality was wrong. Her moral judgment of homosexuality was wrong. Her, her view on humor and its relationship to art and even conversation. Uh, I think she over-respected seriousness uh, and undervalued humor. And I think it shows in her work. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't like her over didactic style of writing. So, you know, there's aspects of At the Shrug that drive me crazy, even though I agree with everything <laughs> that, that's in it because it's, you know, but I mean, she was thinking out the philosophy as she was, as she was writing. So, and making it extremely explicit and it is extremely explicit, but it, it detracts from the fiction a little bit. Philosophically speaking, um, I haven't heard errors that weren't uh, misrepresentations of her philosophy. Um, I haven't heard I haven't heard representations of rational self-interest or uh, reason um, or her metaphysics that were not in some way a somebody else sort of planting their own map on top of what she's written and and explaining it from a point of view that has nothing to do with with her. So uh, I, I could probably come up with some other maybe personal errors. I mean, I think her, her, I think her main personal error having an affair was a very bad error on her part, but she did it in a, in a, a very unconventional way and got the approval of all people it was involved. Honest. It was honest. Yeah. So in that respect, she was, she was living according to her principles, um, her moral principles, even though I think it was wrong and mistaken and a big error. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Can you think? Of, can, you guys know something about objectivism, Carter? What, can you think of anything? Offhand? Well, she. I mean, I, the two things that come to mind are um, that that are cited. Well, one of them cited, and one of them I just think of sometimes. The cited one I hear is the, her essay on why she would never vote for a female president. Um, oh, that's something that I would say too. Yeah, she had an issue with women who who sought power over yeah. men, and I disagree with that as well. Yeah, so that's one of the ones that, that I disagree with. The other thing, and I, I guess this can be this error can be forgiven though because it's an error in um, based on lack of information. Uh, her understanding of human psychology was based on the tabula rasa premise of of humans, and that's now we know that that's not true. Um, that psychology is not one hundred percent constructed after you're born. That roughly fifty percent. Uh, there's like roughly a 50% genetic component. Um, and so I think she did, I can't remember exactly some of the results of that, but because she believed in that, which was a reasonable thing to believe in at the time, because we, that was the state of, of science as we knew it. Um, she, she had this assumption that, um, I think, I think it actually leads to some, some of her artistic errors in terms of like the, her, her, or the words that you would say you disagree with some of her, her art or undervaluing humor or whatever. I think because she believed in the tabula rasa, uh, the kind of blank slateism of, of from birth psychologically, it meant that whatever she deemed as in line with her philosophical arguments that were represented in art in the way that she perceived it, those that was the only valid art. Um, and I think now that we know this about humans, now that we know that humans, that 
a, a significant part of their cognitive repertoire and personality is genetic, we should probably actually rethink if aesthetics even properly belongs purely in the philosophic domain, and if there is there should actually be a psychological component that's uh, inserted into aesthetic analysis. Well, I'll push back. Keeping it. Oh, go ahead. Philosophical. Sorry. That's all. No, that's I mean, I'll, I'll, pu I'll push back against that a little bit because I agree with you that she didn't know the level to which uh, genetics influence personality and, and affect cognitive ability. But it, it, I would say it represents a potential that human beings still have the capacity for free will, assuming they have a healthy, healthy um, brain chemistry. And that capacity makes it, it's, it subordinates natural selection to rational selection to me. So it still makes them, you know, the captains of their own destiny, just they may not be able to go as high as other people or go as far or see as, see as clearly, but they still have the capacity to think or not and, you know, discern, discern what is, you know, to, to, to the level of their ability. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, more like, you know, like, you know, she had a, you know, she really liked blue and green. Now, I don't know that she would say that blue and green are the objectively better colors. I don't think she went that far, but yes. she did. She did certainly say things about art that had certain, like art needed to be certain things. And, and I think it's the artistic analysis because art is your response to art. She viewed your response to art as 100% a product of how integrated you are intellectually. And, and like, well, I think, but I think she, I think she viewed it as 100% uh, an estimation of your value, like what are your values in the world? Like yes, what, you, but it's what not. you value and esteem. I, there, I disagree. Very, very disagree. But I don't think that because I like pointillism or Monet or, or Picasso, even that I'm just psychologically disintegrated. Right. Um, but, but she right. will, she made a claim that I think is sort of true. Like, you have a relationship with the particular of art in a general sense. It's 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 a it's a manifestation of your values, and yes. and and you respond to it as such. And there's something to there's something to that. Now, whether how much of that is genetic and how much of it is your choice, I don't I don't know. Does that? Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Is she was saying it was 100% your values, and I'm saying it's it's a percent of your values and in a, in a plurality, like a large percent of your values, but it's not a hundred percent your values. So, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I look, when I was in objectivist circles a while ago, there was, it was, it became a joke of like, I'm an objectivist, but I don't like Rachmaninoff. Don't tell anyone because like, you're supposed to like <laughs> Rachmaninoff because Rachmaninoff was the best. Right. Um, and there was that, that sense and that, you know, that's a misrepresentation of ideas, but it does stem from, there was a grain of truth to that, that, that thought because, there was no component for psychology that wasn't representative of your free will and your choices and your integration of your philosophy. Yeah, but I still think psychology is in its infancy. I still think uh, some of the conclusions that they draw are probably not very accurate. I think they're still guided by philosophy that isn't people friendly, so to speak. And um, so I don't know that I buy everything yet. I think I think sure. they reach. I, th I mean, they're, they're, they try to find more similarities with rats than they do try to sort out the cognitive capabilities of human beings. And um, I, I would, I would tr trust more a science that went towards humanity rather than trying to relate us to everything else. 
I, I don't know, but I, I do think there's something to be said for genetic uh, issues. And I think I've had this argument at the OAC when I was there. I think I, I said, hey, I think I think our, our experiences where we come from do have a very serious effect on us that that can present obstacles to to our cognition. I think our, our brain probably changes, you know, physically when we have these experiences and that makes it difficult to overcome terrible habits. Um, and they were less in that camp, and I'm sort of more in the middle, where I, I yeah. think you have to give it credence. You, you have to accept it as part of our context. Yeah, and I, I share your general skepticism with psychology, and I generally think it's a nascent science, and I even put science in quotes in general. However, uh, I think in the last several years, there have been, like, you know, if you just read Human Diversity, Charles Murray sums up the studies and kind of where where the where the research is in, in a lot of places and it's not with rats and it's 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 valid you know i mean yeah maybe there's some premises underlying some of it that need to be explored but it does certainly look like eh, there's some genetics involved and we don't really know much beyond why or how mm. right okay yeah so um I'm Should just going to read. Super chats, yeah, let me read a couple of the. Uh, Beverly pulled a few out for us, and okay. I want I wanted to make sure I hit. Rib Rockgut says Gina Carano posted a video recently called "It's Just," which is worth watching. It's on point about the loss of liberty. Thank you, Rib. And um, this one, ah, oh, yeah, this was the other thing that happened. Uh, Johnny Boy Quick Draw says off topic, and I apologize if it was already mentioned since I joined late. But can we have a moment of a moment for the passing of the great Norm Macdonald? And and then Super Iron Bob included a quote from Norm's on Twitter: uh, "The Enlightenment turned us away from truth toward a darkling, weakening horizon. Sad and gray to see. The afterglow of Christianity is near gone now, and a Stygian silence lurks in wait. May he rest in peace." Well, that doesn't make um, me give him a is that, that that yeah that doesn't make me want to give him a shout out sorry my friend <laughs> yeah, it does me so that's okay that's a different quote that's a quote for some people find that inspiring or not inspiring but they're in a, maybe in agreement with that and others aren't but i'll say one of my favorite norm mcdonald jokes is when he destroyed that heckler who he was doing his joke about how teachers are the real heroes and he said teachers are the real heroes he's like you know who i think of the real heroes the real heroes, the the ones who run into burning buildings, and he's doing this whole thing about heroes, and a teacher starts heckling him from the audience. If you guys haven't seen that, you should find it on on YouTube. It's pretty funny, and um, and I also just love the way he can he continually he pushed back against authority that you know NBC kept telling him to stop doing OJ Simpson jokes. And so he made a point of doing one every night. <laughs> like, All right, I like that. Stop it. He would not stop. And uh, yeah, I just think he was one of the good, I think he was one of the good ones. And I think he, he, he had a mind that he, he continued like a good comedian should. He questioned authority. He questioned these idols that we weren't supposed to make fun of and these, you know, taboos. And, and that's what good comedy is. And, and anyway, I think I like right. that story. I'm going to watch that video. I'll give you that. Yeah. Thank you, Super Thank you. Iron Bob. I changed my mind. 
Uh, <laughs> I think he, I think he may have become a Christian late in life. I think that's why some people are sharing that quote because maybe Christians like to see that, or you know. So I know we have a lot of atheists in our audience and on this podcast. So <laughs> what, what, what did he? What did he pass away from? It wasn't COVID, was it? It was cancer. He was hiding it, uh, you know, or keeping it quiet. And sixty years old and very young. And uh, I think he was recently, his wrong think was becoming apparent. And I'm, I'm trying to remember the details on this. Maybe somebody in chat knows, but he was, the mob came after him and one of his appearances was canceled. I think it was on either, it was on the one of the late night shows, Jimmy Kimmel or Fallon. One of those guys canceled him because of pushback of having him on, you know, uh, his, his wrong think was getting, people were getting wind of it. The church ladies, the new church ladies were all, yeah. uh, had their fannies in a wad. Ugh. Who'd have yeah. thought that Tipper Gore was our future? Uh. <laughs> do you want to do some other super chats, Carrie? I don't want to interrupt if you've got other ones you think. Oh, uh, sure. I'll just read some of the more. She said, uh, uh, Mandy says, uh, Jigsaw. Oh, this is a question for Daniel. Daniel, your ankle is padlocked to the floor. Your left... To your left is a gun with one bullet. To your right is a Bible. You have 10 seconds to choose one or lose both. Life or death, make your choice. Ah, the gun, because I get to control it. <laughs> Thank you, Mandy. And... is padlocked to the floor. Pirate Tomsky says, never give power to a government you like without thinking about how a government you hate could use it against you. That reminds me of my one of my favorite PJ O'Rourke quotes, which is... Uh, Giving whiskey, giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to teenage boys. So that's that's a good one. I like that, those are good. Uh, good old PJ. Can I, all right, I I'm going to ask. I remember the question I wanted to ask you before, Mark. Okay. And or Daniel, but I was specifically thinking about Mark at the time. Something that I realized I was doing lately is because I've gotten into this. Um, be, because I've been very focused on the elites. And and the crap they're pulling, and you know, we we just showed the the gala, and um, and it's it's easy to be very angry at how a lot of the the elites running these large institutions like Google and Twitter and Facebook are are um, pushing this this horrific narrative and using their platform in ways that I think are both dishonest and destructive. Um, I realized that I was my in my gut reaction. I used to be the guy who would rush to the defense of someone like Zuckerberg and give him the benefit of the doubt first, because I think there's a lot of hatred for people because they're rich and successful. And that's getting conflated with like, I, I do have problems with Bezos and Zuckerberg, but not because they're rich and successful. Um, and I caught myself having this immediately visceral uh, response, which I'm not proud of, of like, oh, effing Zuckerberg. And I realized like, you know what? <clears throat> He's Zuckerberg is no more clueless than most people about philosophy. <laughs> like, I don't think he's intending to do evil. I think he's a pragmatist. We've been telling everyone to be pragmatists. This is how we raise people. And there's a lot to be admired about someone who can build a company doing all the stuff. Is it being misused? Yes. Is it being misused on his watch? Yes. But I think most people that bitch and moan about it probably wouldn't do a better job because they're not driven by uh, 
good ethics themselves. And I just want to throw that out and see if I was crazy or if you've had similar experiences. I mean, uh, I agree with you. <laughs> That's all I can say. What do you say, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, I say I do. I totally get where you're coming from on this one for sure. Um, I, I don't I don't get the overwhelming sense that most people are principled in any way, shape or form. Um, there's a lot of people that speak their principles, but don't actually act them. Uh, it's to the point where I constantly making a joke that even as an atheist, I'm, I'm more, you know, moral than most Christians I know, because I kind of see what they how they live their lives. And it's like, I, I don't I don't know. I just I just don't get a sense that there's a lot of uh, deeper thinking philosophy, moral principles uh, dictating and guiding people's decisions, especially when it comes to having the reins of power. And in Zuckerberg's case, he does wield quite a bit of power in this world. And that shit is intoxicating. Um, it's, I think, what I can't remember the studies right off hand, but uh, they were showing that um, an addiction to power is more powerful than even some of the strongest drugs we have out there. And people just cannot get enough of it. They can't fight oh, it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, in, in, in the lack of any kind of moral principles, man, you just kind of like a leaf in the wind of these kind of things. I don't. Well, speaking, uh, let me ask speaking, Mark, because you got. Speaking of a lack of moral principle, I just saw a little super chat, I think, with, from Christopher Baker. Objectivism is a dead movement. Well, he's wrong. It's an anti-liberty movement. He's wrong again. They mm -hmm. favor lockdowns. He's wrong. And vaccine right. mandates, also wrong. Okay, yep. so Christopher, yep. you're wrong. batting a thousand. You're wrong on every on every. Wrong, wrong, <laughs> well, so actually, great. I'm, I, I agree. I'm glad you addressed that because I saw that super chat and I was like, I hope Mark jumps on this. Um, there are... <laughs> There are uh, people that are in the objectivist elite establishment that do favor vaccine mandates and um, who and, and lockdowns. Um, no, there's people there's people that I know, at least you, maybe you can inform me of some elites that I am not personally aware of, but they are they understand the government has a place for containing um, epidemics, and that is to contain sick people who refuse to quarantine and and they probably endorse private property and and the, the people making their own rules about whether or not to wear a mask they certainly don't endorse mask mandates as far as i know or vaccine mandates even though they could be pro vaccine i don't think they would be pro vaccine mandate well let's so let's first of all say that not everyone who claims to be an objectivist agrees with each other who claims to be an objectivist so that absolutely true. is is true i did have a conversation with someone I don't know if he's still in OAC, but I think he is. Um, the other, like the other day, specifically about, and his argument was about the government having a right to force you to do things like take vaccines and shut your business down and blah blah blah. And he, I'm not going to get into the his entire argument, but he was trying to justify this with objectivist principles. Uh, who was um, it? I don't want to say his name on air. <laughs> I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. Okay, you're being you're being honorable. Yeah, um, this reminded me of a tweet that I put out yesterday about uh, before you before you attempt to steamroll me with peer reviewed scientific studies regarding COVID nineteen. Please understand the sad state of modern day science is in by referring to the conceptual the conceptual penis as a social <laughs> construct and the story surrounding. <laughs> and, and I just there's so much <laughs> wrong with everybody trying to bat people around with uh, follow the science, follow the science. Well, this is, 
just like any other institution we have right now, the scientific field is completely corrupted and you can't, like nobody worth their salt can actually get any kind of objective, you know. Well, the conceptual penis going on. The conceptual penis was a joke. I mean, you know the story right. behind it, right? Yeah, right, absolutely. And I, and I don't consider the the social sciences science per se. I think I think it's uh, I think it's something something else. But I, I'm trying to trying to put my mind around what the, why this objectivist see to me it's legitimate to claim the government can keep sick people quarantined if they're refusing to um, quarantine because if it's a deadly disease they are putting other people at risk. Now, with a disease like this that has a 99% survival rate, I'm for you taking your own responsibility with respect to that. I do, at least. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think my health is my responsibility and I do my best to protect it. Um, but there, there is a place in objectivism for the government protecting right by um, constraining the sick, but not the healthy. And yeah, the argument was that, that it was a the analogy being used was like an invasion from Canada and your farm is in the space where it's, you're, it's not invaded by Canadians yet, but it's needed strategically and blah, blah, blah. Therefore, they can take over your farm to protect the nation from the Canadian invaders. And like that was the yeah, the, yeah. None of that analogy. starts. That doesn't sort for me. So I don't know who this person was. I'd like to I'll, argue I'll, with them. Talk later. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me later and I'll I'll uh, I'll protect. I do want to say. Someone in chat said Cato made the argument. Cato's not Cato and objectivism is not are not the same thing. Just to be clear, Cato made the argument for vaccine mandates. Like some people, I guess, from Cato were were making the argument. Aren't they libertarian? I thought they were more a libertarian think tank. Uh, I don't know okay. what libertarian means anymore. Not so. not like Mises, but you know, not like the Mises Institute, <laughs> but you know, somewhere in that vein. Yeah, I get you. I don't know what they mean either, but. I thought that was their bent. Yeah. No mandates. Any other no. super chats we should do? Hmm? Uh, I think I think Beverly just wanted us to make sure we mentioned that we're trying out Utreon for streaming. So if you would like to watch us somewhere other than YouTube, which has currently, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're watching it on our Clips channel because we're still banned from our main channel. If you would like to go to a place that's not as censorious, you can try us out on Utreon. We're also on Odyssey. And I will say in general, I, I am encouraging everyone, please just go to unsafespace.com. You can go to unsafespace.com slash live. Both of those are always, they always have the embedded live stream. And if it's on YouTube, they have the chat as well. So you actually don't need to worry about where to go. If you just remember to go to our website, you can always watch it there. Um, oh, Daniel, she said some of the, some of the people oh. from Utreon are watching right now, which is oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. first time I've even heard of that service. I'm going to check it out myself. I, you know what? This, uh, Beverly gets all the credit. She was like, there's this thing called Utreon. I was like, I don't know. I've never heard of it. I don't have time. And she just kept pushing. And then she went and like got the RTMP server information and set it up. And she today she texted me. And she said, I think we can stream on Utreon. Can I add it? I was like, sure. Let's try it. Perfect. So, well done. Awesome. Well done, Beverly. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Daniel, tell people where they can follow you um, and find you online if they want to hear. More yeah, crazy yeah, you can, you can find all my all my stuff. Uh, we don't just cover anarchy. We actually don't cover that as much as uh, I'd like to, but um, we do a lot of uh, number number of different projects, number number of uh, different uh, 
brain fart. Okay. So we do skits and we do conversations and we talk about uh, addiction and we talk about politics sometimes and we talk about social issues and whatnot. And we just have a good time. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, we, we just had it. We just had a, a video come out where uh, I'm finding Hunter Biden's laptop everywhere I go. And to the point it's starting to creep me out. Um, had a lot of fun putting it together. I'd love to see that uh, get a little little bit more traction. I think y'all enjoy it. But yeah, you can find me at unframeofmind.com and I'm on all socials at Unframe of Mind. Cool. Mark, if they are interested in seeing you beyond being a devil, where do they look for you? Well, Mark R. Pellegrino on Twitter and I have uh, my YouTube channel, uh, what do you call it, tacked onto my uh, profile there so you can see my reality check series, which is sort of a little philosophical series where I, I take a controversial idea and talk about it hopefully in a funny way for a few minutes. Uh, I'm also on Showtime now, American Rust. If you want to see that, check it out. Uh, I think yeah. it's a good show. It's a good cast of characters. And hopefully uh, I don't get fired for it from my point of view. But hopefully they're more enlightened than that. Than that. Um, but c'est la vie. The and where are your dog matters. pictures? And my dog pictures on are, are on Mark Ross Pelly, M-A-R-K-R-O-S-S-P-E-L-L-E. That's Instagram. And you'll see my famous Frankie uh, and famous Cody, my cat, and the not-so-famous Johnny. Why aren't you famous, Johnny? Um, <laughs> she's, she's a little bit of a barbarian, so she's, uh, she's doesn't, she doesn't get the popular views that uh, the other guys get. All right. I am subscribing to your channel now, sir. Right on. Uh, I also, by the way, I see you on Clubhouse a lot lately, too, so... Yeah. Oh, because I, I do I do the daily objective podcast on uh, on uh, Mondays and Thursdays, and I also do a thing called TV Talk, which I'm doing right after this, all through the Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand Center UK, and uh, and Mondays and Thursdays it's 10, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We talk about we talk about current events from uh, an objectivist point of view, and TV Talk sort of the same thing. We take the uh, TV shows. And we talk about and break them down and and throw a little objectivism in there and and uh, have fun it's just a nice fun discussion about good tv shows and we're doing we're doing uh halt and catch fire actually in an hour oh, cool. oh i never watched that uh yeah mark have you been on the have you been on the friday night tights show yet have i been on what friday night tights on nerd nerdrotic have you ever hung out with those guys no I bet you would really like them. I'll really? we'll send it to you offline. They're just okay. cuz they do TV and they do entertainment and pop culture but they're getting more into this place of philosophy and ideas and trying to understand what's happening with the world and also what's happening with entertainment as a result. And oh, cool. so, so it's an it's interview show type thing. Where yeah, on talk. Friday nights it's a bunch of the different hosts in that world. Um Nerdrotic, uh, uh, Comics Division, Hill versus Babyface, and and uh, gamers, gamer. What's his name? Um, Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers. They all come together, and then they have on guests, and they just talk about everything in entertainment news and in the world. But oh, it's a cool. fun hangout show. I think you would dig them. Oh, cool! Yeah. I'll check it out. They would definitely dig you. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. Send send them my way, and I'll harass cool. them. Cool. Cool. Well. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's always fun to talk to you both. Thank you for joining. Um, Thanks, man. It's always always a pleasure talking to you guys. Always fun. We can argue about anarchy again some in the future. Um, <laughs> and Sunday, guys, don't forget because we won't see you before oh, then. Yeah. Sunday, if you're in book club, we're doing William Gibson's Gibson's Neuromancer. 
Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good weekend, and we'll see you later. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and may be subject to federal entrapment. Research shows that wearing a mask significantly reduces the risk of becoming infected with independent thought. The next war will be nothing like Afghanistan. I promise. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't think about it, I mean, that's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake. <laughs>